Welcome to Douglas Wilson's Blog and May Blog, presented by Canon Press. Romans 13, with 13 as lucky number. Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Introduction. Last week, we saw a major victory in federal court, for which we give deep thanks to God. A good news story about it can be found here, and down below I have included two press releases that will fill in a bunch of salient details for you. What I want to do for you first here is to frame the whole story theologically. There is a reason all this happened, and it did not come about by accident. It was a clash of worldviews, and this clash occurred at a pretty foundational level. The Theological Frame Let me give the overarching principle first, and then walk through the events themselves. After that, you can read the press releases that will serve as something of a jello dessert, filling in all the gaps you might still have after a substantial meal. The issue at stake was limited government. Consistent Christians believe in limited government because they believe in both the sovereignty of God and in the fallenness of man. With regard to the former, only God is infinite, which means that only God is capable of unlimited authority over anything. Only God is capable, and so if there is no God over the state, then the state becomes God, an incapable God. With regard to the latter, God is holy, and fallen man is unholy and corrupt, which means that only God is good enough to be entrusted with all government. Scripture is clear that human authorities, including human civil authorities, are established by God, and so we have an obligation to honor and obey them. Romans 13, 1-7. But as this passage also makes clear, we are to honor them as deacons of God, as servants of God, as authorities who are themselves under authority. They must be kept under authority for reasons just mentioned above. We see that they have their marching orders from God. They have an obligation to reward the righteous and punish the wrongdoer, for example. This would mean that Christians understand them to be limited in their authority. For any Christian to acquiesce to the claim that any human government can be boundless or unlimited is to fall into idolatry. We render to God what is God's and to Caesar what is Caesar's. One of the things that belongs to God and not to Caesar is the determination of what belongs to God and what belongs to Caesar. Caesar does not get to determine that because Caesar is merely a deacon. He is assigned by God to a particular role. At the same time, part of that role is to make sure the citizenry stays in line, but with line there defined by God. There is a true balancing act here. James Madison put it this way, quote, In framing a government which is to be administered by men over men, the great difficulty lies in this. You must first enable the government to control the governed, and in the next place, oblige it to control itself. James Madison, Federalist 51. The people must be governed on the one hand. There must be institutions, structures, customs, and laws. But there must also be fixed boundaries such that those who are responsible for maintaining these institutions, structures, customs, and laws are obliged, please notice that word obliged, to control themselves as well. In short, the governed must be governed, and the governors must also be governed. The American system was designed to accomplish this by means of spreading civic authority across the different branches and levels of government, and doing so in a way that enabled the citizenry to have a direct role to play as well. The whole thing is a mobile, suspended from the ceiling, and it is exquisitely balanced. Checks and balances are not a bug, but rather the central feature. 
Our national government is divided into executive, legislative, and judicial. The legislative is divided into two houses. In our time, under the executive, the administrative state has grown, like a swollen tumor, to threaten the balance. But despite the current threat, the balance is still functioning. This system is also a federal system, which means that state and local governments retain a large measure of authority, and each of the state governments are also divvied up between executive, legislative, and judicial. And in this system, a significant amount of power is retained by the people directly. As the Tenth Amendment puts it, quote, the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. U.S. Constitution, Tenth Amendment. The point here is simply that, under this system, the people retain certain powers. Those powers include the right to worship God, to peaceably assemble, to keep and bear arms, to protest actions taken by the governments, and so on. It is not the case that they can do all these things provided they get a license first. In short, it means that the people have the right to gather outside City Hall and sing psalms. This is a right we have always had and have never relinquished to anyone. We actually don't have the right to relinquish such a right. These rights came to us from our Creator and were not bestowed on us by any human authority whatever. They are God-given rights, and so we have a moral obligation to guard them jealously. This entire system, taken as a whole, is the system of authority that God has established for us here in this nation. Romans 13, 1-7 It is possible for certain poobahs in this system to get too big for themselves and to try to decree things that they have no right to decree. When they do this, they are disobeying Romans 13. They are disobeying the law. This disobedience was anticipated by the founders who desired those elsewhere in the system to push back. And when citizens who do push back are reviled as troublemakers and agents of disruption by craven citizens, it needs to be remarked that such craven citizens are failing in their Romans 13 duties as well. In short, what constitutes the quote-unquote existing authorities should never be defined by those who flunked their high school civics class, if they had one. What happened here? The plea is now being made that all the tyrannical overreach on the part of various governments, agencies, and whatnot was necessary because it is said, quote-unquote, we didn't know. But mandatory and coercive actions taken on the basis of confessed ignorance is not what we want. If we know the asteroid is going to hit the earth, then emergency measures may be needed. If we know the dam is going to break, then emergency evacuations may be necessary. Nobody with a brain ever disputed it. But when you know virtually nothing at all, and you make your panicked ignorance the foundation of a lockdown that destroys lives and livelihoods, then you are the threat. You are the problem. Besides, it is not quite true that, quote-unquote, we didn't know. A bunch of us did know, and we were penalized for knowing. But now, in retrospect, it is all coming clear. Our elected officials were wrong about masks, wrong about lockdowns, wrong about distancing, wrong about the vaccine, and wrong about the law. What happened was this. The city of Moscow passed a quite unnecessary ordinance requiring masks and distancing outside. The striking thing was that the ordinance that was passed explicitly exempted religious activities and protests from its requirements. We at Christchurch decided that we are going to protest this action by our city officials by meeting outside City Hall in order to sing three psalms or hymns and to conclude by singing the doxology. We were then going to head home, meaning that we were going to be there around 15 minutes. When we got there, the parking lot had been emptied for us and dots had been spray-painted on the parking lot so that we could stand on them and thus maintain a six-foot distance. But the ordinance expressly said that none of that, masks, distancing, applied to us. But the city was getting enormous pressure from people who thought that we had to be breaking the law, and so three arrests were made.
When this happened, we were not breaking the law, and the city of Moscow was breaking the law. This happened because people were yelling at them to do something, and so they did something. The three were to be charged with a misdemeanor, but a short time later, the charges were dropped when the city realized they were going to have trouble prosecuting an activity that was entirely and perfectly legal. The three arrested individuals then filed suit in federal court over the violation of their rights. The decision that came down last week decided against a motion from the city to dismiss and determined that the city was in the wrong on all the facts that mattered and ordered the parties into settlement. That was the victory we have been rejoicing over. But in the meantime, a very short time after the arrests, two of my grandsons protested the arrest by placing stickers on poles in downtown Moscow. This kicked off the Stickergate saga. More details on that are found in the press releases below. But there are two notable things to say about this here. The first has to do with the current legal status of Stickergate. There was one conviction of one grandson, and that case has been appealed. This happened because the judge did not allow a First Amendment defense to be presented in the courtroom. The charges against my son for having had the stickers made in the first place and against the other grandson have been dropped. In addition, a lawsuit against the city of Moscow by the Stickergate 3 has been filed. It is to be hoped that there will be a similar outcome in this lawsuit as there was with the Salmsang arrest lawsuit. The second thing is this. As this most recent court decision has made clear, the city of Moscow has spent an enormous amount of taxpayer money in order to prosecute a young man for protesting their illegal activity. Surely a better use for that money could have been found? Both of the press releases that I mentioned in the uh, post above can be found in the description below. There's some fun stuff in there. Don't miss it. If you are enjoying these videos and would like to support this channel and the work of Canon Press, join up at Canon Plus. Just click the link, create an account, and have a look around. If you use the restrooms, leave a dime on the counter.